listening to The Chartographers. It is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people. We take every single album by a particular artist, and we rank it from worst to first. It's a thing that we do, and guys, it's the penultimate episode of Season 3. We are very excited about it, because uh, Season 3 has been a long one. It's been Ooh, a long boy. So long. And But, you know, at the same time, we love it, and we love doing it. And uh, while we are excited to take a break, we are closing out the season with a bang. Uh, and ultimately, we are just talking about an artist that is still active, that put out an album literally a month before we started recording, although it was kind of a remix album. But guys, we're going to dive into it. We're going to dive into one of the most angular, fascinating, and incredible songwriters and guitarists and musicians that is just working today. Someone who is just brings joy into all of our lives with their art pop weirdness. That's right, guys. This week, we're talking about the one, the only, the artist that sounds like an electric guitar duct taped to a laptop that somehow got signed to bar Soup Records. That's right, guys. We're talking about St. Vincent. Vincent. Uh, the polyphonic spree, if you're nasty. So, uh, listen, St. Vincent, it is Annie Clark. <laughs> it is just one one person in the band. Let's make that abundantly clear, because there's a lot of different places where it's just, like, featuring Annie Clark of St. Vincent. We, oh, yeah. Are we, are we even <laughs> calling it a band? Isn't it a moniker? Right. That's what I always thought. Everyone just needs to say Annie Clark of St. Vincent. You mean St. Vincent, Her then, right? Her name is St. Vincent. Holy crap. It's like Prince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, but, except his name was actually. Yeah, that's, that's very true. true. That's yeah, I know. anyway. But long story short, uh, she's someone. She attended the Berkeley College of Music, but didn't exactly finish it because she had such a draw to music. She was a touring musician in Sufjan Stevens' band for a while, which makes me think when I saw him during the Illinois tour, did I see her live? Dude, yeah, that's whole, they were just just freaky because that's like a whole different universe I mean, back then. Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably. And uh, then she also, of course, was a part of the uh, super mega group that was the Polyphonic Spree before finally branching out on her own in two. 2007's album Marry Me, but since then she's just become kind of not necessarily an indie darling. She's yet to have like major, major commercial success, although her most recent album did debut in the Billboard Top 10, but she's someone that everyone goes to. She's just like the artist. She's the person that will work with the Chemical Brothers. She's going to step in and fill in, you know, the Kurt Cobain role for Nirvana's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Like, she's just the person that goes to for all of that. It's a fascinating discography. We're going to dive into it and we're so excited. Who's the we that's going to be doing the determining of what the best albums are? First off, there's me. I'm Evan. You probably know me. Host this podcast. Been there, done that. It's great. It's fun. But most importantly, if you know anything about this podcast, you know the person sitting next to me. That's right. It's the co-creator the David Byrne is my St. Vincent. That's right, guys. <laughs> it is Taryn O'Reilly! Hello! How are you doing? That's an interesting... I mean, I guess the one, like, main collaborator. <laughs> right, I mean, I could has, say Jack but... Antoff, maybe, but that's from one album. I don't really feel like... The... If I really wanted to, I could do Thomas Bartlett that's of Dubman. That's true. I you guess know. she worked with, with David Byrne a couple of times. So. Yeah, so, great. you know, great, Love we it. got that. Take it. Exactly. But even more than that, though, uh, there's a guest that we have here... A beloved guest. He is a very good writer. He is an incredible DJ. He is the person who helps produce a first time the live show that happens in Chicago once every month. And most importantly, nope. <laughs> once every three months. Once every three That's three months? months? Really? Yeah, it's four times a year. Four times a year. The, the, he does a show four times a year. <laughs> it's so good. But most importantly, the only other fourth thing you need to know about this is that this is his fourth appearance on the show, which means he's in the echelon of the Chartographers All Stars. 
That's right, guys. <laughs> 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 is that like a D air horn? Yeah. Hip hop air horn to yeah, classical no, music. It's not like. <laughs> What were you? What would you? Bum 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 bum. Yeah, it's Beethoven. That. <laughs> that's Beethoven. That's what I heard. Of. Anywho, Bobby Evers is in the studio, guys. We're really excited to have. Hi, Bob. thank you for having me. How are you doing, Bobby? I am just as good as I was the last time I was here, which is when you were here for our extremely contentious and wonderful David Bowie. Episode. David Bowie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Which is fitting with Saint Vincent. Yeah. Yes, actually. Didn't she do like some sort of? like talk at the David Bowie exhibit at I am David Bowie at the MCA or am I mistaken? I, I, that may have happened. I, I would think so. Something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but still, anyway, we have a lot to go through because she has a very finite discography, which honestly, given this season, given that we've done these like multi-album 15 disc sets from all these different artists, it's kind of a welcome break from things. But her albums are so utterly, very, and incredibly distinct. Uh, she hit the scene as a solo artist at St. Vincent with 2007's Marry Me after a couple of EPs and singles. Uh, she then kind of embellished her sound a little bit more with 2009's Actor. Uh, she then went and kind of went a little bit on the weird end in a glorious fashion with Strange Mercy in 2011. Uh, she then got signed to Columbia Records and in conjunction with Loma Vista put out the uh, self-titled Grammy-winning St. Vincent from 2014 and then in 2017 she hit the Billboard Top 10 on the album charts with Mass Seduction in 2017. Not to be confused with Mass Education because that's what everyone says it. Even today I was still pronouncing it like that and she has played off of that term because in 2018 she put out a piano-based like low-key rendition of all the songs on Mass Seduction called Mass Education like she gets it you know we're bad at pronouncing things it's you know for humans mm -hmm. it's great uh so the thing is that that's a pretty clean cut discography there's one kind of misnomer out there i mean aside from all the polyphonic spree albums which we're not even gonna talk about but more importantly uh, she did in 2012 she did a collaborative album with david byrne which is fascinating because it's just like really like it makes sense they're kind of art pop weirdo type people but like mm -hmm. yep full bore apparently over the course of three years with the limited studio time and a lot of emails uh they wound up doing this brass-heavy album together called Love This Giant. Now, previously in episodes, we when it comes to collaborative albums like that, we're kind of a, it, it depends on the situation thing. Since if we were, I don't think we're going to do be doing a David Byrne episode anytime soon, because he has so many goddamn collaborative albums with so many goddamn people. Like, it's kind of insane. Yeah. So for her, so because of that, because we, it, we wouldn't do like a straight discography of him because otherwise we'd do like 800 albums with his collabs. This is the one collab album she has. I feel like we can include this. And more importantly, I feel like it kind of helps tell the St. Vincent story a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's a very clear progressive arc Absolutely. that includes this album. Yeah, and apparently it was like her idea to make it very brass heavy. That was like, that was her idea. Oh, really? Yeah. I learned a lot about this album and I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, but most importantly though, Bobby, are you in agreement that should be included in our list? I mean, I... I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> you have feelings about it. I have some feelings. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about them okay. when we do the rankings. Okay. So, guys, just to recap, that is six albums. That is Marry Me, that is Actory, that is Strange Mercy, that is Love This Giant, that is St. Vincent, and that is Mass Seduction. All right, guys, six albums, six slots. Dearest Bobby Evers, recipient of a Chartographer's t-shirt as of today, due to the fact that you are, in fact, a Chartographer's all-star. Yes. And you'll always be an all-star. Uh, I want you to go ahead, <laughs> if you. you wouldn't mind, uh, and just nominate. You know, that's what we do. We nominate, we debate. For number six, what would you nominate as the worst St. Vincent album? Which is a weird thing to say. Yeah. So fucking weird. I'm so weird scared. Sentence. I know. <laughs> uh, so, having said that, uh, I would say, like... I probably would put Love This Giant below the other St. Vincent albums. If we are ranking St. Vincent albums, 
I my feeling would be that like this Saint Vincent album isn't as good as the other Saint Vincent albums. It's it's a good David Byrne album, but I don't know if it's the best Saint Vincent album. So interesting that you say that because I feel like here's my thing about my journey this week. Uh, earlier this season, Taryn when he talked about when our did our happier minisode for Spoon, he's like, guys, I fucking love Spoon. Like for a band that he like always enjoyed or heard singles from, for him to go in, he just came out of it like, holy shit, I love this band a lot. Yeah. Like it was great. I kind of had the same thing with St. Vincent, and I don't know what it was always about like hearing these albums just kind of by itself or like piecemeal. I was, I was like, I enjoyed her. Like she was you know like fun enough. And when maybe it's just that we have the totality of her whole discography together I'm like holy fuck you're great yeah. like it's like picking a worst album like it really didn't matter what you said Bobby because in some way or another you'd be right like for me it's <laughs> there's no like clear oh that's bad right. every album is so distinct in its own right and for that reason, though, initially I had antipathy towards uh, Love This Giant. Like, I love a good horn section. I love the horn arrangements that are on here. Apparently it was her idea. Apparently, aside from the song The Forest Awakes, uh, they are all right singing the verses that they wrote. Except on The Forest Awakes, they actually swap. They wrote verses for each other, which is actually kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And there's some solo moments on there. Ice Age is an Annie solo song. There are some amazing songs on here. I love the fact that this is such a bold step. This is like a creative challenge that they presented themselves to make clean, concise, but very, like, you know, great brass-driven pop songs. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that. In terms of lasting moments on here, I would say the enjoyment of this album, it is an experience, and I very much like that. I would say, personally, there are some fucking bangers on here for me specifically i should watch tv and lazarus yeah. are like my two two favorite takeaways lazarus on is definitely my favorite yeah i should watch tv is like i should watch tv well it's not even about that it's about the horn riffs and that's i mean most yeah. of this once album, they kind of olympian when they kind of come in and are the descending well, notes even like just together under yeah. the verse the bit, 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 yeah. Yeah. um I, yeah, freaking love that. I'm also a really big fan of Optimist. It's a little, um... Interesting, It's yeah. a little obvious <laughs> in that it's, like, they called it Optimist, and it's very much like a, here's a joyful, like, hopeful chord progression uh -huh. with lots of horns. But I still, I, I like what it's what it's going for. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm, I like Ice Age, too. Yeah. Um, again, more for the arrangement than for the vocal melody specifically, mm -hmm. but... Um, I don't, I don't know. I just think they really bring some cool things out of each other. And yes. I like all of the, the horn lines on here. They're so frenetic. It reminds me a lot of the like, uh, MIDI work she was doing on actor. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also just had a weird thought with this album, which sort of made me question whether or not we should include it was every time they're singing, it sounds like they're singing a melody the other one wrote for them which you said it wasn't true at all so, but it's just yeah. like you i can really tell I get, that they're I get that sense though. they're inspired yeah. by each other they're yeah. like they they know each other's body of work mm -hmm. clearly yes and and like sort of you know they they know what to bring to this table specifically right um i really enjoyed this album and i don't it's definitely at the bottom i do have one that I would put lower. Okay. Bobby's smiling. Um, and that's Strange Mercy. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Right. So, yeah. I think Cruel is great. I think it's I, it's a solid. I, I don't think it's her best, like, because she has, like, a, a quote-unquote pop single. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, a pop single in the traditional sense, but... 
you know, Annie's weird indie take on it, on like most of her albums. And I think Cruel is one of the less effective of those. I also really love the, the specifically the chorus of Surgeon that under everything. But then the verses, like, I kind of wish there was more going on. And then the rest of the album, with, you know, a few ex- ex- exceptions, but it's just her most mid to low tempo album overall. There's a lot of, like, synths happening in the background that don't add a lot of momentum. And I just, it's it's a little more amorphous than the rest of her discography to me. I guess my feeling is that I would agree that it's mid-tempo and that there are a lot of synths, but sometimes I really feel that. I really mm-hmm. feel those synths and I really feel mid-tempo. Yeah. Like, I, I connect really hard with a lot of parts of this album and I don't really connect with anything off of Love This Giant. Like, when I was listening to Love This Giant when it first like came Like, on an emotional level? Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, I can't, like, get into this. And then when I was trying again this past week, I was like, this is still just not gelling with me. Whereas, like, there's so many hits to me on Strange Mercy. And see, I, I actually kind of get that as well. Because Love This Giant is still a very enjoyable album. And I think when we're talking about St. Vincent writ large, again, she doesn't have a point to that, that's the bad album for me. Like, there's not, like, mm-hmm. a glaring omission. Yeah. But, like, it's kind of different tastes, different aesthetics. And so Love This Giant, I do very much enjoy. I like putting it on. In terms of, like, great artistic achievements, I'm not sure if I put that in the same level as some of these things. Strange Mercy, for me, it doesn't feel like kind of the warped narrative version of the first two albums. Because Marry Me, an actor, there's kind of like, you know, there's a clear artistic evolution there, but it's still very much concise indie pop songwriting. Mm-hmm. Strange Mercy, she starts bending the formula a little bit. She starts kind of like feeling out her grooves. And so I would agree, yes, there are some moments on there that do not connect. And for me, honestly, um, the, almost the, it's, and I had this discussion with earlier, and Bobby, I want to get your take on this. I don't think St. Vincent really knows how to close out an album. Like, the thing is that, like, she has some pretty good songs on there, but for the most part, like, her last song, and sometimes maybe the last one or two songs, there's always, like, kind of a weird afterthought. Like, she always ends the album on kind of, like, an unclosed note. You know, like, it's kind of, you know, how I would say that, Taryn? Honestly, I would say Year of the Tiger is probably one of my favorite closers. (laughs) And and that's not saying a lot, because... But But Year of the Tiger actually, like... It knows what it's doing, and it's a very interesting concept for a song mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, and the, but the thing is, for me, that also follows a champagne year, Dillonette. You mean Dilettante? Dilettante, sorry, Dilettante. yes, and hysterical strength. <laughs> like these, but the thing is that, like the last, the last half of Strange Mercy is like doesn't really connect with me all that much. Right. I like lyrically what she's doing in a lot of these places, but melodically, it's weird, and it's so weird because I really feel like the first half of the album is very strong. Because me, Chloe in the afternoon, her weird dominatrix fantasy thing, <laughs> it's so I hate that that song gets in my goddamn head because it does this Chloe in the afternoon Chloe yeah. in the after Chloe which is a you know, movie reference right wasn't I, there a movie called Chloe in the afternoon I believe so but yeah, yeah there's yeah there's kind of a dominatrix yeah. like vibe to it oh yeah wasn't about it whips with, it and, was yeah. I think it was just called Chloe and it was starring like um the redhead we were watching her last night uh Julianne Moore yeah Oh, oh, okay. Wait, oh, I'm thinking of a different movie. I'm thinking of a movie oh. from the 70s called Chloe in the Afternoon. And oh. I was trying to watch the trailer at work, and I think there was, like, nudity in it. And I was like, ah, why? why? Maybe I in the trailer? Yeah. yeah. Maybe it wasn't the official trailer, because how could they get away with that? Right, that Unless, doesn't, I mean, I listen, I've seen YouTube do some pretty scurvy things on occasion. Right. Well, if you're logged in, you'll yeah. never know what's 
parental locked. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, like, Cruel, and the thing is, I know you talked about, like, it being an enjoyable pop song. Cruel is the first St. Vincent song, because I was just a casual observer for the Marry Me actor era. Cruel fucking got me so hard, because that is, like, taking amazing pop hooks that would be great courses for any other fucking song and layering them on top of each other. You have that little, like, you know, that boom, 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 like this kind of thumping bass, and then you have the do-do-do-do-do-do-do, like this pure fucking, like, you know, disco-tastic thing. Then you have the guitar line doing its own thing. And it's just like, she's just fucking showing off at that point. I like when she would do a pop song. She's like, let's do 800 pop songs at the same time. And, like, there's something indulgent about that that I love. But Surgeon is great. Northern Light is kind of the like a little bit more of a raw traditional rock number enjoy that as well so ultimately what I'm trying to say is I might agree with you on Strange Mercy <laughs> simply because oh. uh... I mean there will be no love lost I know really with and again this is such a weird discography to do because I kind of feel it the only other thing that I would do and this might be the hottest take in the world I don't know how anyone else feels so about it you're nominating it. a third album for Last Ways Maybe. No, go ahead. Maybe. <laughs> no, do it. A hundred percent. And this is just me and my aesthetic. Self-titled St. Vincent doesn't do as much for me. God, you guys are crazy. <laughs> no, no. I actually... We are psychopaths, as you could say. Okay, go. What were you going to say? No. So, uh, I like very much enjoy Self-Titled St. Vincent. I feel like it's her very much exploring that fine line between pop and uh, kind of like that experimental indie sense more than anything else before. You lear- definitely hear that she's learned the lessons from Love This Giant because Digital Witness, it, there was no way she would have written that song had Love That Giant not happened. And that's a fucking amazing goddamn fucking great song i love that it's just like powerful and propulsive and forceful uh and then like the rest of the there's a lot of other songs on there birth and reverse honestly you never did it for me oh man when that came out as a lead single i was just like really i like, i yeah. thought that was her getting weird and i was just like here for it i'm like yes get weird uh-huh. be, be guitar yeah. <laughs> well, and that i mean you guys keep saying like you said about strange mercy yeah. in the intro that it was her getting weird and like birth and reverse is her getting weird She's always been weird. Mm-hmm. From day one, she's, she's always been, been super weird. weird. Well, so, had... like, it's not like, oh, all of a sudden, she's, like... Yeah. But I feel like she... But here's the thing I'll say about her, and the whole reason we're talking about this, I feel like she finds new ways of being weird. Like, I always feel like she is finding this perfect line between, like, experimentalism and, like, kind of a traditional indie pop sense. It is walking it ever so carefully. This album surprised me a lot this week because I didn't love it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I kind of... I, I was so into her during Actor and then I kind of fell off for a bit. But this week, I like, I love all of the guitar work and the hook on Rattlesnake. I think it's so fun. I think Birth in Reverse is like aggressive in exactly the right way. Prince Johnny, I'll even give a pass because it reminds me of like an ABBA ballad, which I never <laughs> thought that she would do. I think that Huey Newton, the second half, no, when, when the guitar is, like, starts coming so in, yeah, fuck it, it it kicks. Um, I really like Regret. Um, I think Bring Me Your Loves is actually that one gets stuck in my head a lot. Really, yeah. that one? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then every tear disappears. It's like I like the build that it has. Mm-hmm. It surprises you it doesn't quite come out the gate with everything that it's showing um so basically what i'm saying is that hell no <laughs> um to put it this, uh, this album i was really surprised how much 
each of the songs was sticking with me this mm-hmm. week. Way more than I would have expected. I never right. would have put it towards the top before we started, but I think I might have it there now. Right. Like, and, like, I actually like... Uh, the thing is, I'm not sure how music... Every once in a while, like, musically and lyrically, sometimes these things work in harmony with each other. Uh, harmony, because I said that. Uh, but, like, same, Severed Cross Fingers, the closer on there, like, that's, like, a fine melody. Lyrically, it's incredibly bizarre and, like, out there, talking about essentially, like... You know, like your spleen being dried and then finding your severed cross fingers stuck in the rubble. Like, there's just kind of the sense of, like, overall regret. And I love that there's always this kind of sense of, like, gloom, doom, apocalypse, and that's kind of about her lyrics. There's always this... I, I think that she and David Byrne really connected because David Byrne is a lyricist. He's never a sentimentalist. He's always a person who's always an observer of the human condition. And her, I always feel like she's trying to articulate either her isolation or her loneliness. Apparently, Strange Mercy, she was actually in Seattle. Jason McGurr, the drummer of Death Cab for cutie he's like hey i'm selling this office but it's not gonna like move for another month you want to stay there so she literally just went to an office that was abandoned and recorded like wrote everything and like started recording a lot of that stuff for like (laughs) a month because of course she fucking did which is why it kind of also has very much a different feel instead of the full band embellishments of uh you know marry me or actor like the colors are different you know to Mm -hmm. put it you know textually she's also very good at picking out her album art i just want to say always fascinating incredible so yeah it's one of the things where i don't have as strong an emotional connection to St. Vincent, the self-titled album. I feel like I appreciate a lot of what's going on melodically. There's some really interesting things on there, but much like how Bobby feels towards Love This Giant, I'm not in the same like place in terms of because I don't remember what fucking Psychopath sounds like to be 100% honest with you yeah, no. but that being said, I understand we are a compromising type of group. Go ahead. Bobby, what do you think yeah. about Self-Titled? I think that self-titled is great. I would I would rank it in like the top three. Mm-hmm. It was named album of the year by several publications that year, and so for my money, that was like her Break the one moment. the one to beat for herself. Yeah, and so I don't know. Okay, well, at the very least, I think maybe we can potentially come to a somewhat of a compromise here. Maybe we can do Strange Mercy at six and Love This Giant at five. How do you feel about that? I'm great with that. Should we do that? Do that, lock it in, move on? Okay, guys, Mm -hmm. we're having a lively and wonderful discussion. (laughs) And the thing is that, like, Strange Mercy... (laughs) Just because you call it lively doesn't mean... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the thing is, Strange Mercy, the fact that that's number six, it's weird how, like... It's there, and like, sure, it's number six, but at the same time, I know there are whole bad. right. So I, mean, I know there are people that would be like, "Oh, that's my number one easily too." Like, it's unlike you like know, Champagne did... Year has stayed with me for years. Really, like, it's my it's my New Year's Day song. I well, I like that because like she, I, I do feel like she's had a weird time kind of adjusting with fame, and I like how Champagne Year is basically my job <laughs> is to tell you things you want to hear. Like, yeah. I, it's like it's a very interesting sentiment. Like, she's kind of re- grappling with the idea of being a musician professionally. But I, I do, I do think. That that you're onto something with she like she's not known for the way that she like closes an album i think that champagne year could have been the closer of the yeah. album and it would have been really strong. oh my god yeah. yes right if she had just switched year of the tiger and champagne sure year, it would have yeah. been a whole yeah. different thing yeah all right cool well listen we got six <laughs> we got five Taryn, number four out of what we oh, got it's me? left now yes. it's you <laughs> bobby relishes the opportunity Okay, this is hard, but I think at this point I would have to go with Marry Me. Fuck you. No way. No way in fucking hell. God damn no. Wow. <laughs> anyway, tell me what you think. Okay. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Um, no, I think I, Marry Me, I had never checked it out before Same, this week. Same, honestly. <laughs> um, and I was really surprised. Actually, 
fun story briefly. Mm -hmm. uh, the first St. Vincent song I ever heard was Paris is Burning. Oh. Because they did a dance to it on So You Think You Can Dance. Wow. They did. Yeah. It's and kind of, of course, a good song for that, actually. Yeah, you know, yeah. they were all dressed in, like, Victorian outfits and <gasps> moving all weird. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's, like, burned into my memory. But this album, again, I, I was very surprised actually at how not weird it was mm -hmm. um after knowing you know paying attention to the rest of her outfit yeah out out uh. outfit <laughs> paying attention to the rest of her output i was very surprised you know uh she worked with david bowie's pianist on this record he did the uh, piano interlude uh, we put a pearl on the ground is that it yeah oh, oh okay because yeah. there are definitely a couple other songs on here where i hear the bowie influence mm -hmm. But I think that's just, again, because she's not as out there with her arrangements and uh, melodies yet. Uh -huh. um, but, like, the title track. Uh -huh. The title track is just so lovely. Mm -hmm. And it's, like... So aching. It's so aching. And her performance on it is perfection. God, and yes. it's definitely one of my favorite St. Vincent songs. Mm -hmm. Like, hands down. Um, I think Landmines is really fun. <sighs> Uh, your lips are red. That's probably the, the first hint of the weirdness. Right. But like, but like that propulsive drumming that's going on yeah. here. Like, it's just like, and I agree because one of the things were like, it would, uh, Marry Me is certainly her most traditional album. I was surprised how like end to end I connected with this album like so much. Uh, the thing is that like, I feel like there's certain moves on her. Like, honestly, now, now when the guitar strum comes in, when they kind of build up to it, then they, bring, you know, they do that. It just feels very Barsook Records. It feels very like yeah. kind of that Death Cab for Cutie thing, which is so interesting to hear her do that pose because she doesn't really do it again. Uh, but then the rest of the album, there was just like so many lovely moments. The Apocalypse song fucking grabbed me and knocked me the fuck out this week. That was the one where like it had that right amount of like electronic weirdness to it mm. but still married to this you know a song that's basically like hey i know you have your convictions but can we fuck before the world ends and mm. i love that <laughs> like it's basically like because you're a fucking christian uptight and you don't want to fuck me that's kind of you're bad and you're gonna lose out because of that <laughs> and like i love that like even then for it because you look at the cover i remember when the album came out like seeing the cover like it says marry me like i don't know who this person is i don't know what yeah. the aesthetic is i kind of like that cover it makes me think of like 70s solo records where it's like yeah, you know, like Melanie, or like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's what I want to say about Your Lips Are Red. I got into this album when it first came out, and I really liked Marry Me. And there are just more and more songs that would stand out to me the way any good record does. Mm -hmm. But uh, Your Lips Are Red, I think that like I listened to it too much, and eventually it was like, I'm kind of done with this song. But then... I hate when I do that. Yeah. yeah. But then when I, I saw her perform it at the Chicago Theater on I Want to Say the Strange Mercy Tour... Uh, it was the most epic performance ever. Like, the the light had, like, there was a red spotlight on the stage. Everything was red. She was scary. She went into the crowd, and they were hoisting her, and she was still playing her guitar. And then, like, by the time she got back to the stage and was singing the part where she's like, your skin is so fair, it's not fair, it sounded like a different song. And it was just like, what did we just see? This is so much better live than on the record. But... Yeah, I feel like there's a few tracks like that where it's like, this. it works in theory, but I don't know if it like shakes out, which is why I would second Terrence. Oh my god! Yeah, that's, I love five. what you just said. There's yeah. a lot of it works in theory on here. Yeah. And a lot of parts, this is the only time where I hear it and I'm like, oh, you're doing 
you're copying this pose. Yeah. You know, which it, makes sense. It's her debut. Mm-hmm. It's, she it's, was she's still finding herself. Right. And, it, and for a debut, it's very solid. But, Better than most debuts. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But she just she has reached such artistic heights since then that this feels the least St. Vincent-y of the albums we have left. Yeah. And I feel like, for me, like, I just still relate to so many of the songs. I feel like when it, because it's one of those things when I look at the track list, there's not that many weak parts for me, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, like honestly, Jesus saves. I spend. I, might lo- from, I love that song. That might be the weakest song on it for me personally, mm. just because I think about like kind of the just the gorgeous honeyed sound of all my stars align. Like it's just this yeah. lovely ballad. I just feel like I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy this album as much as I did, which is why I'm standing for it a little bit, just because I was so surprised. And the thing is, I also feel like it is a direct parallel and contrast to Actor. I really feel like when I think about Saint, the early Saint Vincent, like it's not just the fact that these two albums are the first two albums. Mm-hmm. They're very much they're kind of symbiotes for each other strange mercy feels like an outlier it feels like kind of very much and everything since then has its own weird sense of direction yeah. but actor and marry me feel like flip sides of each other in such an interesting right because like actor for me it feels like kind of a, a much more weirder a much more confident but i don't know there's something about it that i can't exactly place my finger on so like it's weird because as much as uh, marry me is easy to peg as terms of like the indie rock debut pop songstress there's something that i may able to identify and quantify with that more so than actor to a certain degree just because actor as bold as it is and as daring as it is uh there are certain moments on there that i feel like just flat out don't work while marry me there's moments that are just kind of like eh that's kind of like my constant back and forth yeah but i'd rather have her taking risks than having them pay off Mm -hmm. because for me the stuff on actor when it does work is like up there with the best of her shit Mm -hmm. um marrow is like one of my favorite songs, or it, it used to be. I think probably it's been passed <laughs> already this her. week. Yeah, yeah. Um, like if you had asked me before this week what my favorite Saint Vincent song was, well, I might have said Los Angeles, but <laughs> but I could have said Marrow. Right. And um, I just love how there's a certain sense of just like unease and danger on this record. Uh-huh. That's fair. That even when it's not working, there's still you know exactly what it's trying to do. And even when the melodies aren't as successful, the emotion is still is. Yeah. If that makes Mary sense. No, no, I'm talking about actor. actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like how the opening to uh, Save Me From What I Want, that very kind of like atonal oh, keyboard sound before it yeah. Yeah, well and that Save Me From What I Want is like that's just brilliant. Yeah. The, the way, and the, I love the way that, yeah, it opens with that, like, yeah, yeah. And, but then when that comes back in later in the song, mm-hmm. it, like, it works perfectly, even though when it first transitions out of it, you're like, that was abrupt and odd, but it's like, it's a taste of what, how she's going to use it later. Mm-hmm. I think The Strangers is really good. Actor Out of Work Actor is Actor Out solid. of Work. The thing is that, like, one of the things that I think is interesting about the conception of St. Vincent is that she is just this absolute guitar god. And make no mistake, she is. If you get a chance, do us a favor. YouTube uh, St. Vincent Dig a Pony when she did that at All Points wow. West Festival. Because it's her doing the song on solo electric guitar with no other backing and fucking murdering the goddamn stage with her prowess. But the thing is that she's not really like, oh, she's a crazy soloist, listen to this. Every guitar line, everything she does is always in conjunction with the song. Like, she it's has either, a couple solos, but, like, they're not, like, well, blow you away noodling. It's yeah. either the, the, her guitar work, it's either, yes, like, 
worked into the structure of the song or if it's a solo there is such a blown out filter on it that you can almost not tell what the notes are but that's completely by design and i think that's why she gets so much acclaim is because she's unafraid to be just like blatantly messy yeah and because you know she has such skill it's like that much more impressive right and that's and that's why for me actor out of work is just kind of this pounding rocker that we don't get as much from her like just to do like a straight ahead rock number right just like and even then she still has those she loves especially on the early albums those like choirs of vocals that she does that ah, ah, well yeah i think it's very important to know when listening to actor that she wrote and arranged the entire thing on GarageBand and MIDI before taking it to actual band members. So there is a MIDI version of this somewhere? There is some... I don't, I'd like to hear it. I haven't heard it, but I, I, I can the still... The chartographers at gmail.com. <laughs> send it to us. I can still hear that influence, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely certain parts on here in a in in a way that doesn't come back on her other records where you're i can tell like oh this was programmed at some point mm-hmm. like specifically though that like string break or the like flute break that opens marrow like you can tell that this was it's played by real artists on the actual record mm-hmm. but because of the odd ways that it's um, timing moves, uh-huh. you can tell that it started off sort of robotic. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, and I get that, but I feel like she kind of offsets that because of the way she embraces orchestration and strings in this uh, album a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, uh, for me, Black Rainbow, the way it starts out, just like it's so like light and fluttery, and then it kind of like brings down the heaviness as it heads the, the ascension near the end. I dig that. Also, mm-hmm. uh, Laughing with a Mouth of Blood is just <laughs> goddamn great. Like, that's just one of her best, like, like pop melodies that she ever did, I mm-hmm. think. And I give her credit too because, like, as it, uh, when I hear a song like "The Bed," which is a weird song about you know, looking for monsters under the bed and having a gun and you know, like protecting everything, how like it just kind of like starts and then the last two minutes are just like sounds, and it's just like, oh, we're going on a journey here. Like it's just a very bold and specific choice that she makes, and like I'm behind it. But then I follow that up with like just the same but brand new, and it's like, yeah. Like, that's more forgettable for me than virtually any song off of Marry Me. So the way that I feel is that Marry Me, like, you can tell that she's trying to do, like, an ambitious songwriting thing with a narrative, with uh, Paris is burning and things like that. Like, but I feel like she succeeds better on actor because I feel like having like five songs that sound like the titles of short stories, like The Strangers, The Neighbors, The Bed, The Party, The Sequel. Like that to me makes like a more cohesive album experience. And I, I've so always loved sucks, I've always loved the song The Party. Like that's always been like a standout for me. Like, honey, the party you went away quickly. Like that just gets stuck in my head all the time. Mm. So like, I don't know. Yeah, I sort of agree on that point. I think actor, even though the the <clears throat> Last, like, four songs for me are sort of disposable, mm-hmm. but the top of the record is just, like, so solid and so interesting that I think it just has, like, a tiny leg up on Mary. So me. so would you guys be comfortable putting uh, Marry Me as number four and Actor as number three? 
I mean, I wouldn't, but if that's the way y'all vote, that's, then that's, you that's know, where I'm we could do. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning. What? All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're, I'm outvoted. What am I supposed to do you here? Are, exactly. You are outvoted. I mean, the thing is that, like, I still stand by it. I feel like, as much as I, and I do appreciate the boldness and ambition in actor, Marry Me just genuinely surprised me. And that's the thing. I always, I'm a sucker for a good debut album, simply because it always feels like this could be your only chance to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I always feel like, in certain, in certain bands, they will build up to it and their first album is not going to be their best effort see the flaming lips uh but like here this very much feels like she put so much into it and i love it's considered and i love hearing that when she does these songs live she's still reinventing them she is an artist who is constantly reinventing her stuff and i appreciate that so much i also would like to just so that it does not go unsaid marry me is an arrested development reference yes it is like marry me marry me yeah okay great that's great uh which i love is it also shows that she's human and knows her human ways wears right uh, which, is our <laughs> show, which is i think is fantastic all right guys so in that case just to catch you up we are number six strange mercy number five love this giant number four marry me number three actor which leaves a blood death knockout drag out fight between her two most recent albums saint vincent and mass seduction so before i feel like we've talked about saint vincent a bit before mm-hmm. we even talk about ranking anything can we just talk about mass seduction? Yeah. Yes. Because this is a moment for her. It really is. This is the moment where I feel like it's her most accessible album writ large. End of story. This is the most accessible album? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Why do you disagree with me? Not even Marry Me? Like Earlier we were saying that Marry Me was like a safe indie rock darling one. Right, but I feel like this is... I mean, a safe indie rock darling is different than something where you could actually put on... Uh, Lost Ageless and hear that in radio or maybe let's say the opening intro of season five of BoJack Horseman (laughs) you know like and it works perfectly in that context I think having that in that episode made me appreciate the song even more I was like damn that is a a banger once I hear but also you want to talk about and here's the other thing too like as I love Marry Me Deeply but you want to talk about pop choruses how can anybody have you how can anybody have you and lose you how can anybody have you and lose you and not lose their mind or how about mass seduction I can't turn off what turns me on like that's I mean as (laughs) part of me part of me didn't want to put this at the top just because like you know i the indie purist in me was like no give it to something she did like herself that's her full statement but like jack antonoff did such a fucking great job producing Mm -hmm. this record with her and bringing out all of the like strong pop threads that she's always had and not dulling her weirdness because we heard other jack antonoff produced albums in this same year and Mm -hmm. they were much more bland so like I I love Look that what you made me do, for example. <laughs> um, but I think like New York is simple in the way that I didn't know that she was still going to do. Mm-hmm. Be- just because it, well, it's, I think it makes more sense now that I've heard "Marry Me." But like she's been so out there and mm-hmm. like blurbly synthy and crunchy guitar <clears throat> for so long that like just hearing her do. Like straightforward piano, like singing on the corner pop music was like perfect. Who do you imagine she's talking to in New York? Johnny. 
Johnny. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and we have a lot to say we about Johnny. Theories. Happy birthday, Johnny. So the Johnny trilogy, for those who don't know, it starts with uh, Marry Me, this title track from the debut album, which is Marry, Marry Me, John. Me, John. Marry Me, John. Be so good to you. We should put out a record. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a covers record. A St. Yeah. Vincent covers It'll record. It'll be called Drunk Feist. <laughs> 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 and everyone will anyway no, but, everyone yeah, will. Bobby I think you just earned yourself a Church of Charities nomination that's Great. what I'm saying right now uh, but more importantly though uh, and I agree that, so there's that and then there's Prince Johnny and especially especially with fucking Happy Birthday Johnny it's basically this, this thing about you know me better than anyone else and you call me maybe sometimes and the last I heard you're basically homeless and you don't want any help and it's just like it feels like a person someone that knows you that that knows you very well or used to know you very well that you had that connection with who's drifted off and is doing their own thing and you know I did also have a theory that New York might be about Cara Delevingne that was my theory that's who I imagine because Young Lover is almost definitely about her right she's a baby yeah a literal baby (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then, I mean, like, there, there's just so many great things. Sugar Boy is honestly fantastic. I feel like it's that propulsive thing that we needed, that we didn't get from a couple other things. And more importantly, Pills. Pills is a song that is complex as all get out, and is feels effortless. It feels absolutely Completely. effortless. And I love, because Hang On Me is like a perfectly nice opener, mm-hmm. but then as soon as you hear the like, dick, dick, did it at the like the intro of pills you're like oh shit the album's really starting yeah like that's that sort of like opens the floodgates for the rest of the insanity that's going on like the next four tracks yeah i regret not seeing her on this tour oh my god same what were we thinking we weren't. What were we weren't thinking? Well, I, I went from my guru to voodoo to voodoo to zen. Like, even that fucking line off of the end of the verse is almost as catchy as virtually any other thing out there. Mm-hmm. And again, it feels like this is her at her most accessible. This is her writing choruses that are hummable and immediate and directly catchy. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like she's compromising shit. It really doesn't. It feels like a bold next step for her artistic vision, mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible, honestly. Like, the fact that she's even at that point where these songs are still complex and still kind of weird. I mean, what I mean, kind of weird. Fucking crazy weird. Like, Lost Ageless. You know, I was like, girls in cages are playing the guitar. Like, she's just, like, the form, the function, everything is just it's just uh, wonderful across it. Now, I will say, there are some moments that don't work as well for me on Mass Seduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savior is kind of a... You know, oh, how does yeah. that go? Yeah. That's the um the mm, the it starts with the like hon- almost honky tonk guitar line. Mm. Do you know? I I can't even describe. Sometimes it. there are moments that are forgettable or not immediately retrievable. Or like so. um you know, fear the future isn't my favorite. Mm-hmm. Sounds like but an X Men movie. This, but this <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. But this Same also has slow disco line. on it. Yeah. If Which I, took some time to grow yeah. on me. I Ugh. like my favorite part was when the I, I don't even know who the other vocalist is. It sounds like someone I know, mm-hmm. but at the end of Slow Disco, the don't need the slow yeah. Which is even better when it's fast slow disco. Yeah, which it's even turned into a fucking banger. Yeah. It's funny though because I don't think she changed tempo that much it's a little faster but it's still mid-tempo mm-hmm. but yeah if it, it's just great bobby what are your thoughts walk us through 
Man, uh, this this is a tough one for me because I, I, as I said before, like, I feel like St. Vincent is where a lot of, like, critics have her, like, peaking. And so then the challenge for her would be to follow up mass education. Mass seduction. Every goddamn every time. time. Take a shot. Take a um, shot. <laughs> so, like, she <laughs> now she, she has to top herself or cha- or try to not care about topping herself. And so... I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I f- oh, this is tough. Because I feel like these two albums are sort of on par for me. Like, they are equal. Interesting. Yeah. So I did, The one thing I didn't say about uh, Self-Titled St. Vincent is that I prefer your love. Turner and I were talking about it. I feel like that is such a deliberate uh, homage to uh, Don't Let It Bring Me Down by Annie Lennox, that big washed-out synth kind of sound. And also, it's just I prefer your love to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes up a little bit during her songs. Yeah. And, like, I kind of, like, like the subversive nature of that. Mm-hmm. Just, like... Well, I think that, that ties into the thought that self-titled she was sort of thinking of it as like a cult leader mm-hmm. like that's what she was going for with the video for digital witness it's what she was going for with the album art and so kind of if you look at the story of this record i can see a bit there's a there's she's thinking of it you know with like psychopath with severed crossed fingers every tear disappears like there's always been Birth a dark inverse. nature yeah. but there's there's definitely like some cult like Sort of, it's like, it's not mysticism, but it is like Big Brother. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I like the idea that the album that she names after herself is the one that's the cult one. Because yeah. she's like, I, all of you are in my cult, and you always have been. Congratulations, <laughs> you find yourself here in a cult. Yeah. That being said, though, uh, a Mass Seduction smoking section... It's a it's a fine song. Um, I'm kind of surprised that's the closer, especially after Slow Disco, right? Which oh, would have like does this. I know every fucking time like that. I don't give a shit about she the sequel. She ends on a banger and then she right. and then follows up with like an afterthought. Yeah, and it's just like I'm not sure what it is because remember like the White Stripes, they always end their album on like a goofy or like an optimistic note, just like some. Imagine she's a pretty nice girl, but I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like you know, like um, they always had a way to like always end the things, and here she's just kind of like an afterthought, like sure, like you. The Tiger, What Me Worry, those are like good songs, but overall it's just like I don't know what it is about her in sequencing. Yeah, Yeah. it's like... Her intros are also sometimes a little bit questionable, but that's its own thing. It's like she feel like she can't begin or end on like a huge, bold statement. Well, that no rattlesnake she did, which is probably... But can you imagine if Mass Seduction opened with Los Angeles? You know, like, I had that little, like, you know, electro beat kind of, you know, come in. I don't know. I I wouldn't have put Los Angeles at the top. I would have opened with maybe... No, I like how Mass Seduction opens, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like she always... Well, Smoking Section is a perfect summation of how she ends her albums, because for me, it feels like she always wants to end in, like... Okay, so like the band is done playing. They they're already off stage. Some of them left and had to go home to their wives, and so now it's just like her alone at a piano in a smoky bar, mm-hmm. like closing the night down. Mm-hmm. You know, like the party has already happened, mm-hmm. and now there's just like the few stragglers at last call. Yeah. That's what. That's how her. Maybe album all of these albums on. are a party that she's hosting, and then she's the one that has to see out the door every time. Yes. Yeah. I think I know where I'm landing. Where are you okay. landing, Bobby Evers? I think... Bear with me on this. The, the sirens are your brain right now, because this <laughs> is going to be the hottest of all possible takes. I think number two, St. Vincent. Number one, Mass Seduction. Yes! That's where I'm leaning. 
I like it's one of those things where I mean you know my feelings about St. Vincent I nominated it a bit ago but this is also a six album stretch so it's not really like that much uh-huh. of a thing I just feel like Mass Seduction is just great I am very big a fan of it I yeah. love the directions that she goes I'm a huge fan of it yeah. it like again I it's not like I had stopped paying attention but I had definitely stopped giving her albums I think the attention they deserved and Mass Seduction like really pulled me back in mm. as soon as I heard Los Angeles for the first time, I was like, oh, I need this record. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love that we're putting it up top. Yeah. I think it's really cool that she just keeps getting better. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see where what else happens? she takes it. What is she going to do? How could she top herself next? What could she possibly do? Yeah, well, and the thing is, I think she's still figuring it out because the way that she was able to take slow disco and do so many different versions of it... Uh, you know, like she, you know, all these things. She's still playing with it. the fact she did Mass Education. She clearly loves this album a lot mm-hmm. because yeah. she keeps finding new keep, nuances. She keeps retooling yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So like, and I love that she's at this point where like between that and what Bobby says about seeing her live, like the fact that she's still retooling things. Like she's still in a state of discovery, and I love that. It's not just this is who I am. It's like she's still experimenting along, just with more confidence and more artistry than ever before. So mm-hmm. guys, that is it. Number six, Strange Mercy. Number five, Love This Giant. Number four, Marry Me. Number three, Actor. Number two, Saint Vincent. And number one is Mass. Or as she likes to say sometimes, ass education. Oh, yeah. Because uh, apparently that's when her album came out, like one of her friends like looked at the label and said, oh, so it's ass education? She's like, that's not the title, but you're not wrong. Uh, so, I mean, uh, yeah. It does prominently feature her butt on the album. And I so. love it. Uh, so, guys, listen, uh, that's great. But listen, we also have so much more to talk about. We need to talk about seeing her live. We need to talk about her collabos. We need to talk about all the, the fucking time that she did a remix of Maroon 5, because that happened. Uh, a lot of yeah, things to go through. What was that? <laughs> That's in our Happy Hour Minisode right after this. In the meantime, though, if you like anything that you heard and you want to sound off on it, throw us a comment on the SoundCloud, on the Facebook, on the Twitter, or, you know, send us an email to thechartographers at gmail.com. If you review us and rate us on iTunes, those reviews help uh, visibility for the show and are a big help. If you could do that, you know what else is a big help? Having someone like Bobby Evers in studio. Hi. Bobby, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. I hope you can make it a week later when we record the uh, Happy Hour Minisode on this. Oh, is that next week? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're very excited. <laughs> about it. It's very good. In the meantime, though, uh, keep on listening because you know that we'll be. Have a good one, guys. Goodbye! What you doing? I just oh. forgot to do that. I forgot to do that. Right, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry.